the same when we talk to you in our distress. We thank you, Lord, again for just all your blessings that you provide us that up to this day we have not lacked anything because of you. And so we continue to just give you the praise, the honor, and the glory because you are worthy, you are God, and you are God alone. In the name of your precious son, Jesus, amen. Thank you, Pastor Marlene. Um, We are excited to be with you this morning um, via live stream. We're glad we can still do this. It's uh, a bit of a, I don't know, it's it's a bit of a difference for us because we thought we were going to be able to slowly and incrementally find our way back to full church service with everyone here able to fellowship together. And here we are back to live stream. And it was a decision we made just because of the limitations being placed on worship. So I hope it hasn't been too hard, hasn't been too hard for you to shift back this week. But um, we are talking today about courage. And it, it's a, sp- a specific topic chosen because of what we live with, what's going on around us, and how, how powerful fear is in our lives. I don't know if you have those things that scare you. I've told you before, I have, I have some of my own. One of, my, one of the ones that gets me and grips me the deepest is just the fear of heights. I can watch somebody else in a high place and be fearful for them in a physical way. I can feel it in my body, the fear that I feel uh, toward them. And so I, I just want to talk about how that process of gaining courage takes place. And I want to start with the first layer of this. If you think about it in just the simplest of ways, layer number one is probably talking to yourself. You know you talk to yourself, right? Everyone else knows you talk to yourself as well. You know, you get into a difficult problem and you're trying to sort it out. You know, maybe it's a mechanical thing or maybe it's a mathematic thing, but it has steps in it. Then what do you do? You start walking through the processes in the steps. Sometimes you do it out loud Sometimes you do it out loud without knowing you've done it out loud. Ever found yourself talking to yourself in your little cubicle and somebody looks over the cubicle to wonder who you're talking to? Yeah, that happens to people. But you started this when you were a child. I have, I have grandchildren. I have eight little grandchildren. I know I only look like I'm 25, but I actually have eight grandchildren. And I have all of these little guys, and you can hear them at different times when they're playing, telling the story to themselves that they're acting out as they play. It's a beautiful, fun thing. We all do it all of our lives. But when we're afraid, it is one of the most powerful things we can do. When we are fearful, actually stopping and speaking into that, speaking against that, is powerful. As I go on any kind of a high ride, Brenda and I were in, uh, in London, and we were actually going up <clears throat> on that, uh, the London Eye, which is just a giant Ferris wheel. But as I'm standing there looking, I have had my conversations over Ferris wheels lots of different times. And in the particular situation there, having looked at a lot of Ferris wheels, been on a lot of Ferris wheels. I, their, my mom tells me stories about riding Ferris wheels since I was able to talk. But they've always scared me. And I've always had the same conversation. Well, this thing hasn't fallen yet. And it looks pretty stable. It looks pretty good. But when I started to get on the London Eye, and it's a, again a massive Ferris wheel. I noticed that it looks more like a 10-speed bike tire than a regular Ferris wheel. The things that are holding it up don't look that strong. And so I remember having the same conversation. I'm getting, I'm loading into this car because when you get on the London Eye, it's not your individual car with two seats. It's, it's a huge, uh, think of it like the, it's like a small bus. 
that's going up in the air. And there's like 40 people getting on there with you. And you can't embarrass yourself in front of 40 people. You can't even talk out loud in front of 40 people. So as we're going on, I'm having the conversation. Okay, all right. Look, a lot of people ride on this thing every year. Millions of people ride on this thing. It is completely safe. And what are the chances it's going to actually fall while you're in it? And if you die, the next thing you see is Jesus. And that last line is for, is for sort of the final cap on all of it. Look, you can be afraid if you want, but the deal is, if you lose your life in this situation, the next thing you see is Jesus. You fall asleep, the resurrection happens, and you see Jesus. Not a bad deal. And so in that conversation, as I'm walking onto this, this bus car, think of it as a bus car with glass all the way around to go up over the city of London, and I really wanted to do it. As I'm going into it, I'm telling myself, okay, just chill, just calm down. Just relax. And so the very first thing I did when I walked onto the, onto the London Eye was I found a place in the middle, not next to the window, so that I could get myself accustomed to what was about to happen. But I'm having that conversation with myself because in the facts that you know to be true, in the rec- recording or the repeating of your history, you will find that in those processes, you actually find strength. You actually find courage. And that's where I want to take us today. That's where I want to start. And we'll be coming back to that whole concept, but um, I want to take you where we were last week. Remember that moment when when Pastor Tim was talking about fear and he took us into the deepest, darkest portion of the dungeons in Philippi. And there in the middle of this dark dungeon are two guys, Paul and Silas. And they are in some sort of a a, a block. They're, They're chained into something that allows them to be to be fastened down and unable to move. There are other prisoners in there with them. We don't know anybody else. We don't, we're not told who these other people are. But what we do find out is that these two guys are singing and praying. And as they're singing and praying, I, I, I don't know how, you, how your imagination works. I have been in some buildings that have lots of echo. When this building is empty like this, there's, I can stand right here and feel the echo bouncing off the corners and the opposite sides for me. But what's cool about this, when you're in a place that has, a, has, has a, an echo in it, the bouncing of the sound makes it sound like there are more voices. So I imagine these two guys singing and praying and the echo of their prayer and the echo of their song bouncing off the walls and filling the hearts of the people who are there. And it actually encourages them. You see, you, you see it in Acts 16. It says, at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying. At midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. So they're in the middle of the night when most people would be sleeping and they're praying and singing hymns and the prisoners were listening to them. And as you, as you recall the story, as Pastor Tim told it last week, they actually, the prisoners actually gained the courage to stay there after an earthquake happens. There's a whole bunch of stuff that he shared with you last week. But I want you to notice one thing. We talked about it Wednesday night. We talked about it Wednesday night because I've been thinking about this courage, discourage, encourage for a month now. As I was, as I was thinking about Pastor Tim's message, I realized that those people in the prison borrowed courage from Paul and Silas. Think about it. You can borrow someone else's courage 
who was willing to express what they're feeling. They're expressing their faith. This is how sharing your faith works in the world. When you share your faith in God with someone else, sharing that faith with them actually gives them some courage they didn't have. We call it encouragement, right? That's what happens in this, in this dungeon. These guys are encouraging the people around them. And I want you to take one other little piece. Think of worship as talking to yourself. Think of worship as talking to yourself. Think of worship as singing to yourself. If you've been sitting in your living room and you were singing along with Pastor Tim and Kat and the band, if you were singing along today, as you were doing that, you're repeating words. You're repeating statements of faith. Sure, they were written by someone else. But as you're singing along, you're actually telling yourself the story of faith out loud. It's a beautiful experience. When you're listening to Pastor Marlene pray or praying along with her, you're borrowing faith. Worship is an act of talking to yourself that is specifically aimed at growing your faith. Worship is an act of talking to yourself that is specifically aimed at growing your faith. So as we talk about courage, as we open the story, I thought we would stop and just kind of examine the word itself. What does it mean? What are the kinds of concepts that are behind courage? And as I was looking through it, there's collections of comments about courage. Lots of them on the internet. There, there are actually some good ones, some kind of humorous ones. I'll show you, share with you a few. But first, the definition of courage. According to Merriam-Webster, you know, Merriam-Webster is the expert on all things. Courage is the mental or moral strength to venture and persevere and withstand danger, fear, or difficulty. Courage is the mental and moral strength to venture, persevere, and withstand danger, fear, or difficulty. Notice that it's, it's telling you several things in this, in this uh, definition. It's, it's the moral strength or it's the mental strength. Because you can have the moral strength to face something or the mental strength to, to face something. I think these, these little... Uh, these little comments, these, some of these little things about facing fear will help. Here's, here's one. There is no courage unless you're scared. Unless there's fear, there's no courage. Courage and fear are, are brothers. Unless you're afraid of something, there's no reason for courage. If I hopped on the London Eye without worrying about heights, if I didn't have a natural fear of heights already on board when I got on the London Eye, there's no courage necessary. I'm just getting on going for a ride. But the fact that I was a little bit afraid of it, the fact that I actually have been a lot afraid of it in, the history, in my history, gave me the opportunity to exercise courage. Do you get the picture, though? You understand? Fear and courage go together. Oliver Wendell Holmes comment, there is no courage unless you're scared. People think, well, if I'm, if I'm scared, then I'm not, I'm not courageous. It's absolutely not true. If you're scared and you're still acting, that's what courage is. That's how courage happens. Here's another one. Courage is being scared to death. And saddling up anyway. See who this quote is by? John Wayne. Now, there's no better expert on courage in America than John Wayne. (laughs) He He is stating a fact. He's stating the same thing that Holmes stated. He's saying, look, courage is being afraid, being deathly scared, and saddling up anyway, going ahead, going after it, staying on point, staying and going in the direction you want. This next one is a little more more about moral courage. 
This is from Maggie Kuhn. If you don't know who she is, she is the person who decided to stand up for, the, for seniors in our society. She decided back in the mid-70s that she was going to stand up and fight for seniors. Uh, she started something called the Gray Panthers. And I don't know if you know about it. She was forced into retirement at uh, 65 because that was retirement age. She didn't feel like she was ready to retire. She would live 20 years beyond that. And so she, in being forced into retirement, she was mad, and so she started to do something about it. Here's her answer about courage. She says, speak your mind even though your voice shakes. Speak your mind even though your voice shakes. Trembling and still speaking is an act of courage. When there's a tremorous noise in your throat and your, your gut is tight and you're still saying what you think is true, that's an act of courage. So there's physical courage there's moral courage they both have to do with fear courage is there we go courage is fear holding on one minute longer that's general george patton courage is fear holding on one minute longer um there are other places where it says cur- the, the the difference between a hero and a coward is five minutes more the idea simply is sometimes it doesn't, it isn't really about a great strength within yourself. It's just hanging on a little bit longer, just hanging in a little bit longer. So as we're dealing with all of the things that are discouraging right now, there's a lot of things right now that are sucking the courage out of your life. There are a lot of things that you're facing that are just sucking the courage out of your life. And there is no life without courage. There is no life without courage. If there is no courage left in you, you crawl into your bed and you never get out. You lay there with your shotgun across your lap and you fear that anybody might walk through the door. You lock all the doors and the seven different locks that are on them and you turn on all the lights inside and out and you sit quavering in your easy chair. That's a life without any courage. You cannot live without courage. When we talk about the word discourage, we mean the courage has been been taken out of us. We've been discouraged. We're down. We're struggling. We're sad. I've been pondering this. This has been rolling around in my head for about a month, maybe six weeks. I was telling Pastor Tim this week, I, this, this was a normal outgrowth of what God has been doing. God has been just balancing these words around in my head. Courage, discourage, encourage. Courage, discourage, encourage. Courage is the root word of discourage. Courage is the root word of encourage. And I don't know why I was thinking about this. It was just bouncing around. I do know the Holy Spirit does this a lot. I do know that in my personal spiritual life, the Holy Spirit speaks through these kinds of things to me. And so as this process is unfolding, when I came to realize that's this, I really came to realize this is what I was going to be preaching on this week because I was discouraged, because I was feeling the weight of another governmental decision about what the church should be like and the church should do. And I don't know whether you're on board with it or against it or I don't, I don't actually care. I'm just telling you my personal experience. My personal experience is it discouraged me. It sapped some of my courage. It sapped some of my willingness to go out and face another day, go out and face another obstacle. And in the midst of all of that, all of my devotionals were on courage that day. Here's the God of heaven knowing what I was facing and when I was facing it and exactly nailing it for me. The God of heaven saying, you're going to be discouraged on this day, so I'm lining up all of your devotionals on this day to talk about courage, to help you face what you're dealing with. 
So I just wanted to, to start with this, and I want to take you where it took me. I want to take you on the journey that I walked as I was lurk, work, working through this discussion of courage. So the first place I was was in Joshua chapter 1. Kind of bounced me back to Joshua tap, chapter 1. In Joshua chapter 1, there's this statement being made about courage. Joshua is taking over for Moses. And here's, how, here's what it says. Just as we had, or sorry, Joshua's taking over for Moses. He's telling the Reubenites and the, the, and the, uh, the Ephraimites that they need to come and help fight with the rest of the people. And he's standing there in front of them, mustering up the courage he has. And he's saying, look, you guys have to lead the armies because you're going to, your people are on the other side of the Jordan and we have to capture the, the west side of the Jordan, blah, 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 yada, yada. And as he makes this speech, as he comes to the end of the speech, and he's like, you guys have to do this. You guys have to do this. They say to him, just as we heeded Moses, just as we listened to Moses in all things, so we will heed you. So the promise is, hey, we listen to Moses. We know, know Moses is dead. We will follow you. We promise. We will follow you. Then, only, however, only the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. The Lord your God be with you as he, with this, as, as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against you and your command and does not heed your, your words... In all that you command, he shall be put to death. They're saying, we will fight for you. We will put to death anybody who rebels against you. Last thing he says, only, only again, be strong and of good courage. Only be strong and of good courage. These guys are looking at him and saying, you are pretty transparently afraid. I don't know what's going on. Maybe he's got giant beads of sweat rolling down his hands, his face. Maybe his hands are shaking. I don't know. Maybe he's just, he's just dry mouthed and he's trying to make this courageous speech and trying to make himself stand up and talk to them. And they can see he is so scared. He is so frightened. And so they say, hey, 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 we will help you. We'll listen to you like we listen to Moses. We will fight for you like we fought for Moses. In fact, if anybody argues with you, we will take them out for you. Only don't be so afraid. Don't be worried. Be courageous. Be strong. This is the statement that keeps being made about this guy. Only be strong. Only be strong. Only the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Only be strong. The, I hope the, I'm, we're going to follow you, but we're hoping God's going to be with you as he was with Moses. So we're going to trust God's historic activity. But, dude, please quit sitting there quavering like that. You're scaring all of us. Please quit whining so much. Quit. Just stay. Okay. When you get nervous, your voice gets high. So would you just, just take a breath. Joshua, talk like Joshua to us. Would you please just like say, hey, Reubenites, go. Don't go. Hey, Reubenites, would you guys go? It would be helpful if you would help me out with this. Uh, uh. Stop being so nervous. Moses told Joshua the same thing. Back in chapter, uh, back in Deuteronomy, Moses was telling Joshua the exact same thing. He said to him, you should be strong. You should be courageous. Moses told Joshua that when he inaugurated him as his, as his new leader, be strong and of good courage. Be strong and of good courage. For you shall bring the children of Israel into the land which I swore to them. Look, you're going to do everything that God wanted done. Be strong 
and of good courage. Be strong and of good courage. God said, I will be with you. God told him, be strong and of good courage. Here's the deal. If you look at Joshua's story, he is, first of all, transparently afraid. Now, I don't know how you feel about fear. I don't mind having fear that's internalized. I don't like other people knowing I'm afraid. You guys like that? I don't know how you feel about it, but if I'm dealing with somebody and they know I'm afraid, it bothers me more. And it probably creates more fear. Someone was asking me about the process of standing up here and and talking to you. Um, It's only been a few years now that I've been able to eat breakfast on a Sabbath morning. Because the, the fear of this process, the stress of this process, would actually cause me to have an upset stomach. And I, if I ate on a Sabbath morning, especially if I ate too much, too much, my stomach would get upset and I would feel like I was going to uh, reveal my breakfast all over again. So it's only been the last few years that I've been able to eat. There was a, we used to have a member who would bring me a banana each week. He literally would bring me a banana and after I finished preaching, he would give me the banana, he'd slip it to me so I could have something to eat so I could continue through the day. And there were a couple of times when I was a little lightheaded over the process. I stepped into a baptistry once and almost fainted because I hadn't had anything to eat. And I stepped into this warm water and all the blood rushed to my feet. And I just about passed out right there in the baptistry. Stress, fear, these are normal for people. It's scarier when people know you're scared. Joshua is revealed to everybody. The Reubenites know. Moses knows. God knows. Everybody knows that he is afraid. But when God told them to be strong and courageous, God added a couple of things. And these are the things that were moving me through this conversation, through this idea. God adds some things to his request that are beyond just coaching him up. They're giving him instruction. They're giving him specific activities to do. So in a couple of things God adds, number one, God says, Have I not commanded you? Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Don't be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you. Stop and take that in for a second. He says, look, I am telling you, don't be afraid. Be encouraged. You'll be okay. Don't be dismayed because I am with you wherever you go. So, imagine yourself in some frightening situation, whatever it is. Imagine that your neighbor comes over and says, Hey, I know that you're a Christian. Would you tell, tell me everything you know about, about Jesus? For most of us, that would freak us out. I, I, I would tell you, for me, I've been kind of waiting for that opportunity, but that's because I have a different kind of relationship with my neighbor. But if your neighbor just out of the blue came up and asked you, you would probably be a little bit freaked out. I get phone calls from people saying, hey, uh, someone at work wants to know about such and such. Can you help coach me in getting through this? Well, sure, I'm willing to do that. But don't forget the power of the Holy Spirit to bring things to your memory that you already learned. Don't forget that God is in you just as much as he's in in me. And if they are walking up to you, the time is now. God actually wants to speak through you. Moses tells Joshua, or God tells Joshua, look, you're taking over for Moses. I understand it's a big job. I understand Moses is cool. Moses is amazing. Moses talked with me. Moses is standing face to face with me. All these miraculous things. Moses led you through the Red Sea. I mean, I get it. I get it. I get it. Moses is like following George Washington. Being the second president is a lot harder. But here's the deal. I am with you just like I was with him. 
You don't have to worry. I actually am going to be with you as well. Here's, the, here's what this is. This is the promise of partnership. This is the promise of partnership from God. So the first thing that God says to him when he begins to instruct him about being courageous, he says, look, I will be with you. I will be your partner. Then he goes on. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Think about it for a second. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. When you are talking to yourself, repeat the book of the law. Recite the book of the law. Remember the book of the law. This book of the law will not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. So here's the idea. Think about, um, think about what you think about and think about how those things cause fear for you. You know what the fear of, fear of heights is? The fear of heights is not actually the fear of heights. The fear of heights is the fear of falling. And you know what the fear of falling is? The fear of falling is not actually the fear of falling. The fear of falling is the fear of that sudden stop at the end. So if you allow yourself to contemplate, to meditate on what's, a, what's frightful to you, what's frightening you, a tiny little ant be, can become a giant in your life. He's saying to him, look, keep the self-talk focused on the Word of God. Keep the self-talk focused on what I've said to you. Keep the self-talk focused on what you've learned and what Moses has written down for the people of Israel. Keep the self-talk moving in a certain direction. And, and, as you are, as you are full, as you are, uh, as you are speaking to yourself, also meditate on this. So not only talking to yourself, but thinking about this, putting this in the back of your mind and letting this be the way you walk forward. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. You will have good success. Simply start putting this on your lips meditating on it, and you will see this success. Here's what this is. So if the first promise was the promise of partnership, this is a process of alignment and anchorage. A process of alignment and anchorage. So if you think about the two concepts, if I align myself with God, I change my behaviors in a manner that they set up with His. God had spent a great deal of time telling Israel how to be aligned with him, how to walk with him, how the process worked out, what things they were supposed to do, how they were to do and be a part of his work. That process is the alignment process. The anchorage process is the process of remembering history. The anchorage process is the process of recalling what God has done. So if you think about the two things, you have in this text... All of these things recorded about how Israel is supposed to walk. Keep the Sabbath like this. Keep these memorial holidays like this. Walk like this. Do these things. Do these things. Align yourself with me, Israel. Align yourself with my will, Israel, and you will feel my blessings. It's what's reported over and over and over in the text. Align yourself with me and you will feel my blessings. It is still true today that if you align yourself with God, you will feel his blessings. You align your finances with God, you will feel his blessings on your finances. You align your time with God, you will feel his blessings on your time. You align yourself with God and you will feel his blessings because the blessings are built into the alignment. The blessings of God are built into the alignment with God. If you think about it in simply, 
simply simple things like instruction manuals. If you follow the instruction manual, you get or you are able to use the tool properly. If you don't follow the instruction manual, you'll cause cause yourself no end of trouble. If you think about it in terms of just putting something together, you get this package from Amazon. I'm getting tired of packages from Amazon. And you got you open the package and there's this thing in it. It's in little bits and pieces. And there's some instructions and they're in like four four or five languages and you finally find your language and you start looking one, two, three, four and you start looking for all the parts and you lay out the parts and then you start this process of following those directions, aligning yourself with the guide that's given to you to have the best outcome possible. That's all God is doing. Man, we have this crazy idea that God is the cosmic killjoy, but it's not. It's a different thing. If you align yourself with God, you're aligned with blessings. His blessings flow out of the alignment. The two things are linked together. You can't separate alignment with God from blessings of God. If you pull away from the alignment, you will lose the blessing. It's not, it's not a process where God is waiting there with a hammer. It's a statement of fact. It's a statement of fact. Like gravity is a statement of fact. God is simply describing the best way to have your best life. He knows that your final best will only be in heaven. But He knows that if you will follow His rules on this messy little planet, you will get a great deal of blessing. He tells Joshua, first of all, think about, meditate, keep these things on your lips. What you will find in there is a way to align yourself with me and be in the current of my blessings. Be in the flow of the current of my blessings. To ride the tide of my blessings. Then the second half. The second half is about anchorage. So if you're riding the tide of his blessings, there's a second half of the story. The second half of the story is, hey, and oh, by the way, in this same record that you're meditating on, that you're keeping on your lips, you will find the history of what I've done so far. You will find the history of my, my, my blessings on Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. You will find the history of my blessings upon Israel as I brought them out of Egypt. You'll find the history of the story of Joseph who was in jail and I was there in jail with him. You will find the history of the crossing of the Red Sea. You will find the history of all of the issues that we faced and all of the times I blessed you. You will see that I watched over you in the wilderness, that your clothes didn't wear out, that you always had food, that you always had water, that I stood as, stood as a light before you in the day. I covered you as a, a cloud and in the night I stood as a light before you. You will find all of those things are true and as you look at those things and you repeat those things, you will find strength in the history of my activity to go forward. You will find strength in the anchor of your past to move forward. You will find strength in the history of your past to go forward. When a boat is facing a really big stormy weather day, when you're out in a sailboat, when you're out in a boat and you're, you're facing a really big stormy weather day, they have something known as an anchor, an anchor, a weather anchor that you throw out. The reason you throw an anchor out in this big stormy weather is to help your boat know which direction it's going. You throw out this weather anchor. and they, People throw different things out. There are literal anchors sometimes thrown out. People throw out tires. People throw out things that will pull the boat and keep the boat on, a, on an, an attitude, keep the boat going in a direction so that they can have more control in this wild weather. It is always the case that you throw out an anchor 
when the weather is unpredictable. It is always a case that you throw out an anchor when the future is unpredictable. The future for us is unpredictable. We always need an anchor in the history of God in our life and in the history of God in other people's lives to make it possible for us to face the fears that are out in front of us. We can know because of the blessings of the past how to follow God forward. We can know because of the blessings of the past that we can trust God to go forward. This is one of the great things about hanging around Christians who have been, been in the way for a long time. People who have been walking with God for a long time. They're filled with stories about how God has blessed them and led them. The Bible is simply a highlight reel of that same information. This is how God blessed and led so-and-so. This is how God blessed and led so-and-so. This is how God blessed and led so-and-so. You have alignment with the blessing flow, and you have an anchor to help you keep in that flow when the storms come. You have alignment with an understanding of how the blessings are coming, where the blessings are coming from, and you have an anchor to keep you moving in the direction, keep you anchored in the place God is blessing. Help you remember what He has done. We have nothing to fear in the future unless we forget how God has led us in the past. Nothing to fear in the future unless we forget how God has led us in the past. We stand here in a weird time. We don't know what church will look like 12 months from now. We don't know how things are going to go. I don't know if you're coming back. I don't know if you've gotten so used to sitting home with your pajamas and watching church that you're going to just do that. I do know that my call is to reach the world with the gospel and Jesus just blew open the doors of the church. We're now looking at cameras and we're figuring out how to do it better and we're trying to do a ministry that we don't know, but God does. We can move forward in the ministry of cameras and YouTube and live streams and Facebook Live and all of those things because we know God has been with us all along. And so if we go forward, we can be assured that God is with us. Aligned to be in the midst of His blessings and anchored in the knowledge that He can be trusted. The history that we have with God tells us that He can be trusted. So I want to remind you in closing, of the, the Apostle Paul sitting in that jail singing. Sitting in that jail, free from the consequences of the moment because he knew the alignment and the anchorage of his life. He knew he was in the current of God's blessings. And he knew he was anchored in historic activity of God in his life. When he tells his story, he tells it over and over again. I was riding on my way to Damascus and God knocked me to the ground and Jesus spoke to me and he called me and he led me and he just blessed my socks off. And I have traveled in that assurance ever since. So when the, when the Philippians themselves get discouraged... And this guy who was in jail there is left and he's experienced a great deal more of God. And they're asking him questions and they're kind of straying from their faith and their trust. They're, they're, they're trying to move into a law-based, obedience-based relationship with God. And he says, don't do that. That's, that's not helpful. You, you, you didn't come to God so that you might be a servant of the law. You came to God so that you might be a servant of Jesus, free from the law and free from your sins, that you might walk with him in the currents of his blessings. But when he's talking to them about how to overcome their anxieties and their discouragement, it's that famous passage written to the Philippians. Many of you are thinking about it right now. 
In, in the fourth chapter of the letter he writes to the Philippians, he says this, Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgivings. Let your requests be known to God. Don't be anxious about things. Prayer and supplication, bring those things to God with thanksgiving. You know what thanksgiving is? A reminder of the historical anchor of your relationship. Thanksgiving is me reciting, talking to myself about what God has been doing in my life. Remembering His blessings in the past. We have nothing to fear for the future except we forget how He has blessed us, how He has cared for us, how He's watched over us in the past. That anchor in the historic faith or historic blessings of God brings me faith and courage. It encourages me to take the next step. He said, pray, bring your supplications, but do so with thanksgiving because as you let your requests be known to God, you are building, you are verbalizing the relationship. And if you thank God in the process, you will gain courage to face the things you are asking about. It says, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. There, the, the, in that moment, when you are praying asking God for help with thanksgiving, a peace will come over you. Your anxieties will drift and a peace will come over you and you will find yourself living a life you didn't know was possible in that moment. And then the last bit. Finally, brethren. Finally, my friends in Philippi. Finally, those of you whom I love, whom I, whom I risked my life for, whom I was jailed for. Finally, brethren. Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is anything virtuous, if there is any, anything praiseworthy, meditate, meditate, think on these things. Joshua, I know you're afraid. I know you have stood on the borders of Israel, the promised land, before. And I know that you have seen others talk the whole nation out of going in. I know that you're frightened. But Joshua, I will be with you. If you will take the word, the, 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 the five books that Moses wrote, and you will think about them, you will meditate on them, you, you will walk them through, you will talk about them, you will keep them in your mouth, on your lips. If you will do this, the courage you need will be given to you. You will find the answers that you're looking for in the book. If you can find anything good, anything righteous, anything pure, think about those things. So I have one last piece. One final word. Kind of a what would you call it? Um, it's like the last thing the coach says before you hit the field. The last thing I would say is take really good care about what you're meditating on. Is it pure? Is it virtuous? Is it of good report? I think a lot of my discouragement came right from there. 
I was allowing things that were not providing courage to creep in to my heart and become the place of my meditation. The scripture says, meditate on this and meditate on what is good and righteous and pure. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I ask that you will give your leadership and your blessing to us. We have found ourselves discouraged. We have discovered that the things that we hoped for could be sucked right out of us. That our faith in you could just be torn away. And that we sometimes just want to throw in the towel. Father, I ask that that you would teach us what you taught Joshua. That we're not going this alone. That this is a partnership. And that if we will bury ourselves in your word, you will speak to us. That you will encourage, you will infill the courage necessary. And that you will help us to walk forward in faith because we know you are faithful. Lord, anchor us in that knowledge and align us with your will, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.
courage. Courage is something that we all need every day. And I'm so glad that this morning we are reminded that we have a tool to deal with our lack of courage. We have an anchor. An anchor that if we have walked with Jesus and been with Jesus, it's right there for us just to grab it and just toss it out so that he can stabilize it. Stabilize our life and remind us that life comes from him. And if you've never ever walked with Jesus, you still have access to the anchor. All you need to do is say, Jesus, be my anchor. And he will stabilize whatever fear you are experiencing. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he loves me. And so I just want to have us bow our heads to thank this God that is our anchor. Father God, we just praise you that you totally meet us in our fear, that you meet us in our discouragement, and that you remind us that everything that we feel isn't necessarily true, that if we just hold on to you, that if we take you as our anchor, that, God, you will remind us that all we need to do is cast our fears onto you because you can handle it. And you can take it on. Father, this week, challenge us every single moment that fear comes into our minds, that anything that makes us feel insecure, that we meditate back to you, that we place our meditation onto you, and that you will fill us with truth. So I thank you so much for being that anchor in our life, that courage comes from you. So we pray these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you so much, family, for joining us for church today. If you've joined us for the first time, we encourage you to continue on. Uh, Wednesday at 7 p.m. or 7.55-7.59, you can totally just come on to Facebook Live to watch us discuss, the pastors discuss, um, what the sermon was about, how it moved you, how it touched you. Uh, you can, it's an interactive thing. If you log on, you can throw on your questions onto that. And so we look forward to having you join in us Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. Enjoy the rest of your Sabbath. We're super excited that you are here with us, and we look forward to seeing you again. Happy Sabbath. Wife, I need you.